Greetings, Questa, and welcome to the Meddlesome Meeples. Grab an ale, sheathe your axe, and join us fireside. Here's your host, Matt Williams, with Richard and Heather. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Meddlesome Meeples. I'm Matt. I'm Richard. I'm Heather. I'm Cavity. Yay! You may not have heard that. Heather's, Sorry. <laughs> Heather's a, a little bit poorly today, aren't I you? I try. That's why she's got a speaker for her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sound really cool. <laughs> so we've got Richard's sister Carolyn with us visiting today. Hey. And uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of board games today, Richard. Yes, we are going to talk about Firefly Adventures, Brigands and Browncoats. And also we are going to talk about The Thing. Indeed, The Thing from Another World. Infection at Outpost 31. Yeah. Based, of course, on the film by John Carpenter, which was based on a book by John W. Campbell. That's the whole history of that. Sweet. When Heather's able to talk, she'll be joining me for the bar's <laughs> corner. Don't make me talk. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to be doing? Being quiet. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. mm-hmm. It's because she's been singing along, singing along to all the albums we've been reviewing this week. So we're going to be talking about okay. albums, new albums out by uh, James Christian and Issa as well as Frontline and there'll be some other music news as well coming up and we've got Tome Talk yes where well, you're going to be telling us about The Final Empire yep by Brandon Sanderson so what's everyone been doing this week I've been playing board games with Carolyn quite a lot because she's visited with her husband and they both like playing games and so that's been pretty good normally I just play when I come over here like different board games but I've been able to do that at <laughs> home as well every single day every single day <laughs> It's been really good. We did yes, Warrior Nights yesterday. Warrior Nights is a good game. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was a really game. good game. We've been playing um, that Geisha game you gave. Hannah Makoji. so polite. You yeah. have to just offer the cards to the other player and see what they want. Yeah. So nice. And then, then you just have the others. You're like, okay, I'll just oh. use these. Oh. <laughs> we're still friends. Yeah. Great politeness yeah, in that yeah. game. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice game. Little, yeah. It's a little game for two players. Mm. So yeah, so normally it's like non-board game stuff I've been doing in the week but it's like been kind of quest report meddlesome meeples type stuff the entire week this time yeah. so. it just sounds <laughs> no fun mm, yeah it's been nice but did you video it? none well, of it no, was recorded? no I just it was just your you life now. was a podcast well yeah I should do a yeah. constant podcast really people would want to <laughs> see if that's what the people want yeah. <laughs> put all those GoPros on your forehead just so you <laughs> <laughs> as long as no one's watching it at the time yeah, and see what cards I've got it would be yeah. it would be invaluable it would be invaluable to the inevitable psychologist report yeah yeah for the, like a black box type thing yeah <laughs> this is the day when Richard spiralled into madness we could place <laughs> yeah. it it was 12.03 yeah pinpoint the moment when I snapped it's got weird fast <laughs> That's what I'll say. So, yeah. <laughs> We've been binge-watching Designated Survivor, haven't we? Yes, that's very good. Yeah. It's, um, without giving too many spoilers, it's a, a TV series starring Kiefer Sutherland and Maggie Q. Uh, the premise is that right at the beginning of the show, uh, the entire US government have gathered for the State of the Union address and they get wiped out by a terrorist plot. So uh, Kiefer Sutherland is the designated survivor. He's got to rebuild the government while Maggie Q is an FBI agent tracking down the conspirators. And he's a very upstanding guy. Isn't he he? Is. I've seen some yeah, episodes of like that. It. It's great. Yeah. He is the president that uh, we deserve. Well, yeah. they deserve. They deserve. Actually, no, they don't deserve him. <laughs> <laughs> Save it for the off-camera bit. But... It was a very good show, very compelling, really addictive. We binge-watched the first season very quickly, didn't we? Oh, you're on the yes. second season? We've started yeah. season two. Ah, uh, okay. I'm on the second season. Yeah? Yeah. How far in? 
like halfway through and then I decided to like switch it to Portuguese and then suddenly it became difficult to understand. Really? In Portuguese? Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want it? So I think I have to go back and watch it from the beginning. It's how it was meant to be watched. Oh, yeah. In in fairness, Aaron Shaw would probably have still understood it. Yeah. So, there we are. Clang. So that's what we've been doing. Um, (laughs) Definitely check out that show. And it's time to get on with the rest of the show. On this week... Uh, we're going to be talking about the thing infection at Outpost Thirty One, and we actually have a guest with us this week. We have yep. an, we have upgraded our level. Yep. Normally we just have one. <laughs> two levels are better than one. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Carolyn's joining us for this week. Uh, you joined us to play the thing as well, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. So, just to give us an idea of the kind of game the thing is, the thing is obviously based on John Carpenter's 1982 uh, film The Thing which is in turn based on the uh, 1930s novella by John uh, Campbell Who Goes There you can see in a tone talk which yes you can find all about in a tone talk from uh, tone talk season one season <laughs> <laughs> we are now on season two and forget season one yeah it's <laughs> gone and in this game it's a game of bluffing deduction dice rolling hand management it's a cooperative game with a tr- very serious traitor element and the main yeah. theme of the game is trying to work out who indeed is the thing the human yeah. imitation now in the film uh, the in the film, you've got the researchers who are being slowly killed off and assimilated by the alien creature. And that basically is the, the theme for the game as well, isn't it, Richard? It does feel like being a team, like you're trapped in that outpost because there's only certain rooms you can go to. You um, assign a captain each round. Well, it kind of rotates, doesn't it? Like mm. who's going to be the captain. And they're the ones that make the decisions. But then other people yeah. can uh, choose how they cooperate. And if you are secretly the thing... You cooperate not very much. You <laughs> have to try and make it look like you are. Yeah. yeah. I do like the way you have to choose your team mm. because it gives you a good idea of trying to figure out what everyone else is thinking. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just waiting for people to slip up a bit. Yeah, because mm. you don't have to take yeah. everybody with you to the room that you're going yeah. to. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a good element. So, in at the beginning of each player's turn, because each player is going to have a chance to be the captain, which means you uh, get to draw a mission card and decide that the team uh, that you're going to take with you to a room then you're going to end up having a round where everyone has to put in a card don't they yeah which is very similar if you've played a game like uh, Battlestar Galactica very similar mechanic where you're putting in a card uh, face down someone's going to shuffle draw them you're going to be looking for certain types of cards though um, some sometimes it's going to be you want you know ones that give you exact amount of dice yeah or exact uh, kind of equipment yeah um, where it's got to be a knife or yeah something like that or a petri dish but you might find out that there's a sabotage card in there and they are bright red it's easy they are they're easy to spot <laughs> and they may d- completely derail some of them will automatically fail that investigation or that battle others will give you an opportunity to pass that and move on but at a heavy price. Mm. And you're going to be looking to try and work out who's been putting these sabotage cards in and messing up your team. One thing I do like about this game is it's not necessarily the best method for the thing just to sabotage. No. You can play this completely other method where you just really, really, really cooperate. You just yeah. hate, hope no one suspects, suspects you. you. That's yeah. what I tried to do when I was, I was the thing. Yeah, I was... 
trying to get rid of a lot of my sabotage yeah. cards. Yeah. Because during the game, there's several ways that the humans basically need to clear the three different sections of the base and then escape in the helicopter. Now, the thing can win by um, destroying the base, by sneaking on board the helicopter, or by uh, basically assimilating. Assimilating everybody, uh, yeah. So moving the assimilation track up, can't you? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Either base destroyed, assimilation track up, that's, yeah, that's it, and or, or get on the helicopter, which is what I was trying to do. Mm. The second yeah. game we did, I, I was the thing, and I realised, like, what we were doing about, uh, I was trying not to do any sabotaging or anything like that. At a certain point, it did kind of become obvious, just from process of elimination more than anything, mm. and also little clues in what I'd been saying and how vague I'd been about certain things <laughs> during the game. Maybe I'm trying to help you. That I was the thing. Yeah. yeah. So I think at a certain point I should have abandoned my trying to get on the helicopter because yeah. I, just, I just really wanted to do that. I, but I could have started sabotaging. I think it would have worked, but we knew that... Well, some of us knew that one person who wasn't obvious, we just know that they would have played it very straight. Mm. So we knew they weren't double bluffing. Yes. So yeah, if you were, we were playing with someone else, I think you would have got on the helicopter. So it's like everybody. <laughs> okay, I compared to everybody else, I was. <laughs> I was suspicious of you yeah. because I thought you were being too helpful. You were okay. being well, and next time playing Portuguese, this is this is a lot more helpful than Richard would normally be. What's what's he trying to hide here? Why has he got a guilty conscience? <laughs> Get ready for a lack of cooperation, yeah. and in podcasting as well. Yes, indeed. I, I I'm going to stop talking about the right game. Yeah, Rich is going to spend the rest of the time talking about Battlestar Galactica. It's similar. Mm. What did you think mm. about that, Caroline? Did you think it because you've played Battlestar Galactica with us a few yeah. times as well? Mm. What did you think about the uh, similarities, differences in the way the game felt to Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, I thought it was great. I love Battlestar Galactica, but I think. This, in a way, is a better game because I have never seen the thing. Mm. I had no idea what it was. And in Battlestar, I've had trouble playing that with people who don't know the show. Yeah. Right. But this, it was very easy to understand what was going on. Mm. And also, it's not got as many complications. Mm. Like Battlestar, you've got all the special abilities. Yeah. Whereas with Battlestar, when people are playing it for the first time, you can spend all your time just reading all the special mm. abilities. Because oh, that happened to us quite recently, didn't it? It yeah. did. You're almost better just to forget about that. But with the thing, that just won't be a problem. Yeah, it's more streamlined, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can just play. I mm. felt it was more streamlined. It was. I thought it would definitely be easier to play with someone who wasn't familiar with mm. either the theme or the or games in and you know themselves because yeah. there wasn't so many as you say so many different things to think about mm. it was just right well this is my turn we're going to this room we're all looking for this kind of cards and you can spend more time maybe playing off the board in the sense of thinking right who do i think is going to be the thing yeah. if you're a human yeah and there's a lot there's a lot more actual teamwork mm. in it as well mm. which I think you just said so. yeah. yeah I think as well it's it's a sim you know, not just simpler but it's a quicker game to play isn't it mm. I mean we were able to play a couple of games of this in the evening whereas usually it would take us um, probably the whole evening just to play the one ba version of Battlestar Galactica with yeah. the expansions and I it do was, think it wasn't quick because we lost either no the, the humans yeah. won so yeah actually yeah in Battlestar you just know if you're a human you're going to lose and that's it it's very it's difficult for the humans to win in, in Galactica yeah, with this yeah, yeah. 
with this, it does feel like you've got more of a fighting chance. Whichever mm. side you are, you've got more of a fighting chance because in in Galactica as well, when you, someone becomes a Cylon, they're revealed. They basically just they leave the ship and they start mm. ha- doing things for the the Cylons. Whereas mm. with this, once you're revealed, we are going to try and, or once we suspect who you are, we're going to try and tie you up. We're going to try and torture you with a flamethrower. Well, yeah, you. Flame sewed me. Yes, I yes. did. I enjoyed I'm that. I'm not over that. No. <laughs> but you were, you, were you were the thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, at the beginning of every game, you're going to randomly deal the blood sample cards. And now we, we've been playing it five players. So there was one imitation thing within that group of five players. During uh, different times in the game, you're going to have the opportunity to shuffle and deal out another five cards. Now, in the first time we played it, both um, both times, the imitation got handed out to Carolyn. Which the, is a thing that can happen, it's rare. In the other games we played, it was we ended up with two different imitations. And at the end of the game, once you've cleared the base and it's time to get on the helicopter, you have to have a vote, don't you, as to mm. who's going to be the final captain, and the final captain will decide who goes on the helicopter. So understandably, you don't want the final captain to turn out to be an imitation. Yeah. And at that point, you've done better than Kurt Russell did in the film. Yeah. Still a <laughs> have that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what did you think about that part of the game, Caroline? Because obviously you've got the voting, someone has to nominate a player, you all vote. How did you think that that went? What did you think of that mechanic? Oh, I loved it. It was not much to say, really. Yeah. I loved it. Do we mention what happened to your poor wife in the first game? We can that do. That is too, like, a lot of it is about just public consensus. Yeah. And in the first game, it was very much everyone thought she was the thing I did keep tying her up because we thought she was the thing yeah spent a lot of time in the rec room not being able to do anything because yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) under suspicion if you uh, during the game you're going to acquire rope and if you think somebody is the thing then you can play that to tie them up generally the best time to do that is when it's their turn to be the captain because then they've got less chance to mess things up so we all thought that was that was Heather and it turned out obviously later it was Carolyn but in the meantime we tied Heather up a few times and left her in the rec room while we we took the thing with us our missions (laughs) but it's quite fun because you end up spending a lot more time than you do in Battlestar just arguing with your friends which is always a fun thing to do. Yeah, that's yeah. why we have board games, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> when it turned out she wasn't the thing, I didn't feel bad about yeah. it. Yeah. She was acting a lot like the thing. Yeah, yeah. But she'd actually figured it out. Every time you accused her, she just looked hurt. Yeah. <laughs> she was the only one who knew the truth. I think she would have probably, if she she didn't realise how much we all thought she was the thing, she would have tried to get people to think it was you. Mm. And I don't, I'm not entirely sure why. I suddenly thought when I had my flamethrower and I was going to use it, I came this. <laughs> Close to accidentally torching Heather. That would have been awful. And we're not talking about again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then, (laughs) but then at the last minute, I can't remember why, but I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, why not torch Carolyn? Yeah, why not? (laughs) And it turned out to be the right call, and that was another way that the humans were able to win, as well as getting off the chopper. Mm. If you manage to eliminate all of the um, the assimilated things, Mm. then you win that way you check the deck and if there's no more blood samples you've and you've you've you've, you've killed them yeah. and that worked that worked we won the first game that way the second game it was we were getting on the on the chopper and that was quite interesting because mm. uh caroline was the only person that knew for definite at that point yeah. that i was human 
I, I knew as well because I was yeah. the thing. Well, yeah, yeah. I was constantly accusing you. But... She, was the, <laughs> she was the only other human that knew I was human. I mean, yeah. obviously, that's been a debate for years, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that was quite... I quite enjoyed that because in all the years of friendship, and it's been a while now, this is the first time we've ever played together yeah. on a game. The first time ever. It's always just ganging up. <laughs> We're usually on different people. sides, aren't yeah. you? If you're the Cylon, I'm a always. human. If I'm a... Found the yeah. silent, you're a human. So it was the first time we were actually cooperating. Yeah. You were the I, only person in that I, game I, I actually trusted. Got, I know, and I only got to find that out because I was being so like, hey, you're an alien. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should tie you up all the time yeah. and you had to prove it. I showed I showed human, you my yeah. blood sample card and you were shocked. Yeah. <laughs> felt weird. But not because was it was that because I was playing the game badly or you were just suspicious of me on general principles? It's just even though I know logically your personality does not affect which card you pick up, it's just because it was you, I thought yeah. he is going to betray us all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it wouldn't have been the first time. Yeah. So you think that uh, it's normally bad playing with me, but then I'd be my sister yeah. and uh, she'd be even worse in it. <laughs> yeah, but I've known yeah. her for longer than I've known you, so it's okay. I suppose, yeah, she knows you better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really fun actually as I got to be the last captain everyone um, voted on who they wanted to be the final captain and, I voted um, against you you voted against me uh, interestingly enough the other thing which was Heather in the second game voted against me it was just you and well, you and Sam voted yeah. for me we kind of planned it with a, a look like let's both vote against Matt <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they knew those two knew who yeah. you know but then I managed to take my uh, as you put it yes men onto the Onto the helicopter oh, yeah. with I me. About that, didn't yeah. I? <laughs> it was all political. It was all political. <laughs> yeah, we need to teach you how to how to suck up. Just say yes to everything. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, that's a nice word. Bad thing to do. So, <laughs> would both? How do you both feel about this game? Is this a game you would recommend? Oh, definitely. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Because although it's like along horror themes, it's not actually. Like dead gruesome or anything, no. is it? No, it's not like when we do the uh, alien legendary encounters mm. and you get a strike and it's like splat. Yeah. Um, this one, it's more. Um, it's just about the tension of who yeah. is who. So yeah. yeah. It's brilliant for that. Yeah, definitely recommend this one. I think. And I like the way that though you can type, you can flamethrower people, but there's nothing like that <laughs> bad you can do except for the flamethrower thing. So, yeah. like, even if you played it with slightly sensitive people, you could just have a like good game and yeah. Yeah, it'll all be friends after. Yeah, with it, uh, cooperative games are good for that mm. because we're mostly working all together. And like, even if somebody is, doesn't quite know the rules, it's quite okay to help them with it because mm. we're all meant to be working together for this as well. What did you both think about the components for this game? The component quality. Uh, they were kind of fine for what they were. It's not proper miniatures or anything, is it? No, just kind of it's quite basic. Mm. I mean, it was it was nice for what it was, and the, I like the look of the board and the dice were nice. Oh, the dice were great, but like ice. Yeah, they yeah. Were cool. they were I really good. I thought it'd be cool if the pieces were like a bit metallic or something. Mm. Mm. But no, they were fine. But they they did the job. I mean, mm. arguably, I would say that you know. Battlestar Galactica is probably better produced component-wise, but this is yeah, a game I'd ra- I'd rather get this out than Battlestar Galactica now. Well, yeah, because you don't have to spend an entire evening doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier again, to explain than teach to, to people, as yeah, you said. You don't need to know the people theme. aren't used to it. With Battlestar Galactica, all the photos are great if mm. you know the show. Yeah. they're mm. awesome. But people really worry 
worry about who is who yeah. Yeah. if they don't know the game. What did you think about the actual captain powers? Because the captain on his turn gets to use one of two abilities if he's um, fulfilled the mission requirements. Now, what that means is is that each character has basically a colour which denotes whether they're science or you know support staff sort of thing. So he's green, it's blue. Like, yeah, the the yellow one was like command in a way. Yeah. Wasn't it? yeah. And if you fulfil the requirements, which might be you need to take a, a green. Uh, class and a blue class then you get to use your captain power which can be quite good and they when you look through each this uh, four for each category but it's always going to be uh, two of them are the same um, captain powers so it's just you've not got a huge amount of variety in those choices but no, they, that's good because then you you're not spending yeah. ages trying to work out which one do I want to be yeah, yeah. Um, that was the other thing. Now, I did think if you were, elim- were able to eliminate a player too early on, and it turned out they were human, that person's probably not going to have a great evening. No. I'm not a huge fan generally in games where you can eliminate a player, but no. I do like the fact, on the other hand, that you can do that, because I say, in Battlestar Galactica, the Cylon's just going to keep wrecking you all, all evening. Yeah. It's nice to take somebody out of the equation if they're working against you. And if you do kill someone with Kali's ability, then they get to come back as another, as another character. character. So the actual player can still be in the game. Yeah. yeah. But all in all, thoroughly enjoyed this one. Oh, Highly did. recommend oh, yeah. it. Uh, incidentally... With the deluxe version, there was 1,982 produced. The reason for that, if you're wondering why that strange number, is because the film was released in 1982. And of course, if you, if we've said anything here that you don't like, but you like the original theme, Who Goes There was going to be coming out soon, which was um, made and produced on Kickstarter. And that's also based on the uh, same novella that this, ge- this game and film was based on. So there you are. Nice. Options, people. Options. There's plenty of thing out there for everybody. There is. Mm. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Carolyn. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, nice. It's been good. I stay meddlesome, Carolyn, as well as everybody else. <laughs> I will. You didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's because I'm not really Matt. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun. Let's carry on with the show. The Meeple's Alive! Welcome to the Quest Report. We are going to talk about Firefly Adventures, Brigands and Browncoats, which is kind of a skirmish game, isn't it? It is, yes. Mm. It's. Um, I mean, when you look at it, the artwork on it, on it and everything, and a lot of the symbols are basically ripped straight from the other Firefly game, which is produced also by Gale Force 9. Makes it easier because it's yeah, incredibly you, similar. You, you already know half of what you need to know when you're looking at things with It's this. like the same thing, but on the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah, doing so an actual mission. If you've played the original fi- the other Firefly game... Which is amazing. Which is a, you know, a pick-up-and-carry type game. Yeah, then it is. you already know what the aesthetic of this is going to be like and you probably know a fair bit about the universe so that's kind of like um, you're flying around in your ship doing your jobs this is where you're actually doing the jobs. This is you're on the ground doing your doing your little missions (laughs) you've got your characters. Aiming to misbehave aiming to misbehave, Hmm. being big damn heroes (laughs) now, half the time, half the time you're big damn heroes, the other time you're Acting casual, casual. <laughs> yeah. So there's five characters you can play on in this. You can play as Mao, you can play as Zoe, Kaylee, Wash, or Jane. Um, as we say, this is a miniatures-based skirmish uh, mission-type scenarios. Which I wasn't looking forward to so much, because I'm not mm. too keen on this type of game. But I was yeah. pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And it's it's 
quite interesting in that you... I mean, it's cooperative. There isn't any kind of traitor element. This is a straight-out cooperative game. It's not meant to be a traitor element. If no. there is, then you're doing it wrong. Sometimes you have to keep an eye on Jane. <laughs> yeah. You do have to keep an eye on Jane. He just gets over-enthusiastic. Um... But in this, you're basically you've got like a, a map that you'll you'll be setting up based on what it says in the book, and in the um, you get like scenario cards for each. You get mission, like a, you? a mission sheet that yeah. tells you how to set it up and what your basic objective is. You'll have a marker on there. Now to get to that, you may have to sneak around the board, uh, un- unlock certain rooms to get into certain places, so that you can later on get into um, your main main objective that was really fun that was yeah. quite fun and one of the things that is quite neat about this is that you do have the scenery so you've got like rooms and containers and things that are based yes you know yeah the little the boxes in yeah. in the game to like hold all the little miniatures and tokens and stuff and they you, are all the rooms you put yeah. them out yeah. and you get those out and you set them on yeah on, them out. on the map Show everybody um, who's watching on YouTube. Uh, we'll just have to describe it to the people listening as a podcast, but it looks like little stories. Painted and decorated up, aren't they? And they're marked with a number so that you know when you're looking at um, at the scenario sheet which one you've got to go where, how you lay yeah, them out. Yeah, and this box itself is the biggest one. So, like, yeah. the box it all comes in, around the outside it's, like, it's coloured in, like, walls. Looks like a great big hanger, doesn't it, from it the does, outside? It does, yeah, and you can use that as a massive building. And you have, as I say, you've got your character sheets, which will have two sides. One is your casual side, and the other side is heroic. Now, when you are uh, casual, you've got a different set of skills to the ones when you're acting heroic. And bad guys aren't going to shoot you. Yeah, because they're, they're going to shoot you if you're heroic. And if, you, um, if you're if you doing something in front of them that you shouldn't be doing, then you have to go heroic, don't you? Yeah, you can flip to heroic whenever you want. But to act casual, you need to actually use a bit of time, like yeah. part of your turn, to actually calm down and yeah, stop you being casual you, you basically got to get out of sight, not be bleeding, not be trying oh, yeah, to break into something. Yeah. You can't look you casual can't, when you're bleeding You can't everywhere. be toting a rifle or something like that. You've got to be do- acting casual. So that, that is interesting. Hmm. What's interesting as well in this is the mechanic of time. As uh, you've got a time track, everyone's got a little uh, token that goes along the time track. Mm-hmm. And you've got a finite amount of time to complete your mission and, and get out. And everything you do is going to use up a portion of time. Now, you can, um, on both sides, as you can see on if you uh, look at the heroic cards both of them are a different set of skills different amounts of time some of them will allow you uh, different kind of movement speeds as well based on the amount of time so for example Zoe she's got on each side of her skill she's got a movement ability Um, she can move three spaces for two time when she's casual or when she's heroic she can move two spaces for one time which actually is more uh, better in a lot of of situations yeah so she gets to move Less far, but then she gets another turn sooner. So yeah, yeah that's pretty good. And basically, every time you spend time, you move your marker up. And once you've taken two actions, that stops. And it go the next person to have a go is whoever's you know the furthest back. down on that track. Hmm. So it's possible to leapfrog each other um, all the time. That's what happens and, most of the time? Yeah, yeah, and then you'll find out actually if I do this. I'll end up being able to have maybe another turn before somebody else gets a turn. You can have two turns in a row yeah. if you uh, don't use much time. Yeah, and that is that is another mechanic that's interesting because you're trying to think about how you're best using your time. Um, skill combat-wise, combat in the game is predominant, isn't it? There's a, I mean, the, the scenarios we've played, there's been a lot of combat as we've 
it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not all combat because we've also been using our skills to say crack computers and hack things. Yeah, but what what happens is that at a certain point in the mission, something unexpected will happen, and that involves rolling a die. Yeah, to find out what that thing is going to be, and for us, it just happened to be that it was kind of a bad roll. And it made it very combat heavy yeah. from that point on because everybody was going to be attacking us. But mm. it ended up being better for us in the long we run. We got a ton of cash out of that mission. Yeah, because it was going to award us like $100, I think it was. For I think it. we were going to get uh, originally two grand. I think we were meant to get if we completed the standard mission we were doing. But because it went wrong and it basically turned it into a free-for-all, we walked away with something like you know nearly seven thousand dollars. So yeah. it worked out a lot more lucrative Crazy. to take yeah. out guards and things like that. So mm-hmm. that was fun. Um, but the combat itself is very simple. Uh, you basically you roll a die. Someone rolls a die for the person you're in combat with. And this is brawling. Yeah. And this is br- this is a brawl. Mm-hmm. And you basically just see who's got the higher die roll, modified by. Uh, your skill in an area. So Which Zoe's are the same combat skills. <laughs> yeah. So Zoe's combat skills three. She rolls a dice and adds that number to her three. That's her result. If she's higher than their opponent, she wins. The opponent takes a wound. But like Kaylee doesn't have any of them, so no. that becomes difficult. Kaylee's not got a the fighter. Mechanic ones. Yeah. But her uh, when she's doing tests for mechanic skills and. That's going to go the same way. So we and do specialise, the... which is cool. Mal has a negotiation skill, and I imagine at some point there'll be an expansion where we can get Inara, uh, Simon, River. It and... looks like there was room for them yeah. in the missions. Because yeah. there is uh, opportunities to do um, that, like that negotiation skill, mm-hmm. and if they go, these follow very similar sort of skill layouts as the characters in the game. Right. In the other game, yes. um, and Inara was the one with all three negotiation skills, so yes. there is definitely room for Inara in this. I would like to see an Inara in an expansion. I would also like to see Inara. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, now, the way the missions go, they are individual scenarios. There is a campaign in this, but it's very loose, isn't it? It's basically, you string three different scenarios together, and if at the end of that, you and your crew have accumulated $10,000, you've, you know, you've won that, or 10,000 credits, then you've won the campaign. Yeah, and you need to pay 500 in between to keep your ship flying. Or, yeah, and you need to get intel for your next mission. Or, you or pay... an intel, yeah. Which we did get, didn't we? Mm. So we don't have to pay for our next one. Yeah, that's cool. So it is. There is a campaign there, but it's very loose. It's only mm. in we're trying to accumulate this over this amount of time. It's what not. Or well, this like story it? leads to the next. But then, if you're it. a fan of Firefly, yeah. then that's kind of the sort of crazy things that they're doing. It's not like we've got Starfleet telling no. them what to do. <laughs> <laughs> they are literally doing their jobs to get paid, keep the ship flying, and make some credits. And mm. that's basically the way that the. Uh, the campaign goes together. I say it's loose, but it is fun. Now, you're not a big fan of these sort of skirmish games ordinarily, are you? No. But you enjoyed this one. Well, there was more elements than normal. It wasn't just combat. Although we said it was combat heavy. Yeah. Um, Like, Kaylee was, like, hacking in that room, wasn't she? And, um, yeah, Zoe was kind of going around the outside, acting casual, but she is the only one of our characters that had the gun, wasn't Mm. she, at at that time? Um, and Heather was controlling her and um, yeah it was just it felt like we were acting as a team Mm. and it felt like what we were doing mattered because we were trying to leave this job with enough money to get us towards our 10,000 goal so um, 
it felt it didn't feel exactly like just a skirmish. No, I mean one of the things in a lot of skirmish games that I think puts people off is things like line of sight. Mm. Especially if you're going into sort of like your war game territory. So things like Warhammer 40k line of sight is critical. Unless you're Ryan's Tyranids. In which case, you're going to just wipe everything. But yeah, um, line of sight is something that puts a lot of people off, I think, because it's trying to think, oh, we're going to have to get a ruler out, measure distances and things. (laughs) In this, it's very, very simple to work out. I mean, the board isn't big. No. It's 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 as big as it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's as big as it needs to be. But it's not big. And... That line of sight is very simple to work out and work out, you know, can this guard or this goon see Zoe? Can she see Wash? It's, it's all very straightforward. Uh, the combat, again, is very easy. But everything about this mechanically felt very easy, but it was still fun to play. It was. Well, it, it felt... It was easy to learn, but mm. it still felt a bit difficult to actually do the mission. Because yeah, because we were... you're trying to work out. And also, because everyone's got different skills and abilities, it's not like we can all do this particular set, so it doesn't matter who's in which part. We're trying to work out where we're all going to enter the board, what which part of the mission we're all going to tackle. Yes. And uh, this particular mission, we had to all be separate from each mm. other, didn't we, if we were going to act casual. So um, I think that helped really because we were all covering different areas. Yeah. And oh, there was something else I was going to say about the the casual. Yeah, you had different uh, miniatures for yeah. it, didn't you? So you got one for uh, your heroic stance and one for your casual stance. Yeah. And, and randomly a naked male on a rock. I think yeah, that's for a specific scenario, which thankfully we didn't. That's do. for the quest report after dark, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The special one that's encrypted. I don't know. <laughs> so, so yeah, we had um, you have two miniatures for each of your characters anyway, and you get to switch between them. One thing that is different to the other game, you have uh, little serenities on the dice uh, for the six, and that's when the dice explodes. Mm. But we also have a disgruntled face on the one, and if you ever get that, then it just means a complete failure. Yeah, it's an instant failure. Unless you have a serenity on one of the other dice that you rolled which cancels it, it out. cancels it out so um it's kind of a, a bit of a two-edged thing yeah. with the dice and it's pretty cool when a goon is shooting at you and mm. they rolled a, a disgruntled and then you can just Do you feel a lot to yeah, yeah yeah well that's one of the other things in a lot of games when you, combat ensues obviously you can attack the other person on your turn and the other person's just defending against it in this as well whenever you engage in combat it's very easy to take a wound yourself Mm. So you have to kind of, even though it's, there's times where it's combat heavy, you kind of have to work out exactly when to engage in that combat. Yes. Which characters are going to engage in that combat? Because I say, you can't bring Kaylee into the melee. Um, unless, of course, you give her, a, you know, maybe the right equipment possibly will allow her to. But We're not that rich yet, but we are now. We are now, but we weren't before. Mm. So it's very much thinking how best can we use these characters and that makes it feel more like you are the team <laughs> out on a, on a mission rather than just because in some games you can just take for example um, Mansions of Madness which is a game we love with miniatures you're moving around everyone's got the same kind of actions that they can choose but there are differences based on uh, your stats and your gear <laughs> whereas in this that's not the case everyone's got a unique set of abilities they're so different to each working other working out yeah. which ones are going to be best to tackle which problems is part of what makes the game fun yeah. and then trying to work out again right if I do this action that goon's going to get to go next which means I've got to then take this into account uh, and again that's another thing that makes the game interesting but it's, it's if you know Firefly anyway and chances are that if you've got this game then you, then you do um, 
it's it's so easy to know which character should do what. So you're like yeah. you're never gonna have Jane hacking into stuff or yeah. or Kaylee fighting. It's you you automatically know who you want to do which thing, and so you, it's not like there's loads of mechanics to learn no. with that. Mechanically, I say it's very simple. Mm. Do you feel that um, somebody who didn't know the theme would enjoy this game? Uh, I think they would quite quickly get into the idea of like space cowboys and stuff. Mm. It's quite an easy thing to like. So I think they would find it a little bit more difficult, maybe. But um, I think I think they would enjoy it, being part of a team and do, pulling off a heist. It's just a very interesting thing to get to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And I say mechanically, it's easy to learn, easy to teach. We had it out and going within a few minutes, didn't we? Yeah, this I took this one home, didn't mm. I, and, and read the rules. And then I um, briefly explained it to you and Heather. And then we just played it. Yeah, mm. it was great. It was easy. Yeah. So this one, are you recommending this one, Richard? Definitely, yes, I am recommending it. Mm. Me too. It's not a particularly deep game, but it is a fun game, and there is plenty to think about when you're taking your actions and how you're mm, going to play yes. your style. Um, so I am totally going to recommend this one. Whether or not you are a fan of Firefly, I think this is worth checking out. Mm, definitely. And you should be a fan of Firefly. Firefly. Okay. And remember, aim to misbehave. I don't know who you are, but we're the middlesome meeples. And it's time to talk about books. A very particular set of books. And this week, Matt is going to be tell us, telling us about The Final Empire, which is a book by Brandon Sanderson. That's correct. Now, this book is sometimes referred to as Mistborn. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes referred to as The Final Empire. Its full title is Mistborn, The Final Empire. It's the first book of the Mistborn series by Brandon uh, Sanderson. Now, this was released back in 2006 via Tor Books. And for those who are perhaps familiar with some of our, our, our other term talks, mm-hmm. remember we talked about The Wheel of Time? One yes. of our earlier term talks by Robert Jordan. Brandon Sanderson is the writer that was brought in to finish The Wheel of Time after Robert Jordan unfortunately passed away right okay so, so right, he has done some wheel of time as well yeah okay. so it, a name familiar to many he's won quite a number of awards for his various uh, books now this one is a fancy series it's uh, it's set in a dystopian world hmm, like um, of myths and abilities and brown plants and it's quite <laughs> an interesting world that he's built here now just a little bit of setting so i'm going to be very careful as usual not to give any spoilers mm-hmm. um now a thousand years prior to the events in this book uh, there was a hero which fought some uh, danger some terror called the deepness okay. now we don't know much about the deepness and this is something that you'll find as you go through the, the book it's just a very uh, very little references throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. However, this hero then adopted the title Lord Ruler and forged what he called the Final Empire. He basically remade the world in his own image. Now, he's still alive a thousand years on. Okay. He's still the absolute ruler he's of not, the Final Empire. Not rotting on his throne or anything. No, no. no. Okay. And what's interesting as well is that the nobility of the, of the Final Empire is actually... The descendants of those who helped him, his friends, mm-hmm. from back when he became this powerful being. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he sort of kept them and their descendants close. And he gave them the ability, uh, which was a, basically a genetic trait then passed on from his friends down through his lines, through, the, through their lines, through the nobility, of allomancy. Okay. Now, have you heard of allomancy before? Or allomantic powers? Um, not really. Sounds something to do 
Just, just the sound of it sounds a bit like alchemy with elements. But. Yes. Okay. Very, very good. Um, basically, allomancers ingest a, a, a metal or shards mm-hmm. of metal. And then from that, they do what they call burn the metal, mm-hmm. uh, which is they consume it within them uh, to enable them to access an allomantic power. Right. Okay. So allomancers typically would have access to a single one of the 16 allomantic pow- powers. Mm-hmm. So, for example, someone might be able to burn pewter mm-hmm. and become incredibly strong. It enhances right. their physical abilities, okay. their physical strength. Um, some can burn to either push or pull on people's emotions. Some can uh, speed up or slow down time. There's a lot of different abilities. So is this say, different, 16 different types of 16 metal? 16 different types of metal. Each right. one gives it the, the uh, Allomancer a unique ability. Mm. Now, there are also ones called Mistborns, which is a, a, like a rare subset of those Allomancers. Now, a Mistborn can burn all 16 types of metal oh. and gain access to all 16 powers. He's the all-in-one. So, he, and they are the Mistborn. Okay. Who... Uh. Now we know why it's called that. Now we know why it's called Mistborn. Now, in the current setting, obviously you've got the fabulously wealthy nobility, and then you've got the other group called the Scar, who are basically a slave class of people, peasant class of people, um, very brutally treated, and you, you get that very early on from the books. You the, the first pages introduce you to a group of Scar, and you learn very quickly the kind of life that they've been forced to lead by the final empire. It makes me mad. It does. It uh, it really riles you up. <laughs> uh, but we're also introduced to one of the book's two main characters in that at that point called Kelsier. Mm-hmm. The first one is, is that we meet is called Kelsier. Now he's a half scar thief. Half scar. Who's kind of um, he's not got quite some, a legend, but he's some money. No, he's, he's he's not got a, got some money at this point. <laughs> okay. He, as you learn, is um, was basically bef- prior to the setting of the book about three years before, I think, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. He was sent to these mines that are controlled by uh, the Lord Ruler, and his I think his wife's been killed. He has been very brutally scarred and people recognise him and they know who he is not by his name but by his reputation because of the scars right because he's the only one that survived these mines so he is a scar who gets recognised by, by his, his scar that is pretty yeah. bad yeah. <laughs> even though he's only a half scar yeah um, but basically the, although this allomantic powers these allomantic powers are passed on through the genes of the nobility, mm-hmm. some of the nobility have been naughty with their scar slaves at times, which is why there are occasional ones like Kelsia who have those alimentic powers. Because, right, so the scar have got that, right. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, and we find out early on that he really, really wants to free his people. Okay, he likes his people. He likes his people, and he doesn't like the way that uh, the Empire treats his people. Okay. And... We, and he's kind of known as a bit of a trouble causer who goes from place to place, but he's actually planning a rebellion against the Empire. Now, this all sta- sounds pretty fairly standard in a in a fan- fantasy setting, doesn't it? There's nothing yeah. particularly... Well, kind of. It, it does sound a little bit more... I don't know. There, there is something different about it, the way you say it's a that dystopian. That's, yeah. That sounds like a bit of a different element, and the fact that 
it's to do with ingesting the metals. That's yeah. a little bit of a different this mechanic. This is the thing that, for me, sets this apart from, you know, having a fantasy book with a wizard that comes along and casts a fireball or something like that. This it's is like and fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that's a, a lot more carefully thought out, kind of like I said with the Wheel of the wheel of Time, the abilities mm-hmm. in there. This is a system that's a lot more carefully wor- worked out on how these powers correlate to one another. But there has to be constraints and yeah. a cost, otherwise uh, there's no threat or anything. So That's right, and he does that very well. Now, there was, I think it was the Washington Post, if memory serves, said that the powers kind of felt like something from a video game, like a cheat. You, you press XXY to get this power sort of mm. thing. But actually, I, I thought it was... Yeah. yeah, it kind of sets it apart from a lot of the other mm. other ones. And Actually, I thought I was thinking yeah. it sounds like a good game. It yeah. A uh, board game, I was thinking. but There um, has been a uh, couple of games. There is a board game for the Mistborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe there was also a, a card or a dice game, something smaller. Did you get banned for people eating Mercury? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the rights have been opted for a film as well and I think there's a screenwriter been assigned to mm-hmm. develop Miss Bourne into a film okay. um, but yeah so we've got Kelsia who's one of the main characters the other main character we meet early on is called Vin okay. now she doesn't realise that she has these well she knows she has abilities but she doesn't quite know what those abilities are or how they got She hasn't got eaten the right metal yet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she knows that she can sort of slightly affect people's emotions. She thinks it's just a sort of look type thing that she can maybe get people to trust her that wouldn't ordinarily be able to. She doesn't realise mm. that she's, she can pull and pull, up, pull and push on people's emotions. Well... But Kelsia and she's his... an attractive woman. Yeah. <laughs> she's a street urchin. Oh, is she? she's a street urchin. And uh, Kelsia and uh, his crew meet Vin, realize you know what she's actually capable of, mm-hmm. and Kelsia and his team start to train her in the use of her different abilities. Yeah. They, but Kelsia's got this plan to bring down the final empire. Mm-hmm. You see, these these sixteen normal metals that people use, as I say, they have like little shavings of. Uh, the, the metal in a like liquid solution, <laughs> I and what they'll they drink. Did to get it. Yeah, they'll drink like a, a little vial of something with uh, the shavings of this metal, and they, they can use it. It's like that whiskey with gold in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's a, there's two other kinds of metal, not of the normal sixteen. Mm-hmm. One of them is called, I think it's pronounced atium, and the Lord Rulers basically hoarded all this for himself. Mm-hmm. But I take it he the can economy largely depends on this metal. Right. And Kelsia believes that if he can if him and his crew can pull off a heist and steal this, mm-hmm. then they'll be able to bring the economy of the final empire down and that'll lead to a scar uprising. Yeah, so it's, that's the general that's idea. That's the general of it. idea. So Finn ends up being used as a bit of a spy on the nobility. Kind of a, a fantasy heist book. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Vin ends up being used to spy on the nobility and infiltrate the nobility. Okay. There is a romantic element to this book. Well, as well I assume there would be. Not between Kelsey and Vin, I'd like to say. Um, You'd like to say, but you can't. Well, I, I, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say it. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> However, mm. I do, it's not in any way. A love story. This is a, a genuine fantasy story with some unique elements. I think in we've it. ever done a love story on Tome Talk. No, <laughs> the, the narrative is quite compelling. Um, the way that the Alamancy works is mm-hmm. fascinating, and you find out as the story goes on, it's not the only sort of discipline. There are. Uh, there's another one, uh, Ferukami, I think it's called, which is more. You have 
uh, like a, a kind of metal. It's very it's related to the elementary. Mm. You have a metal, but you can imbue a part of yourself into that metal oh, it's to store it up for later. Ah. So you could store up health, store up time, store up uh, mental energy, things like that. And then there's uh, another kind as well. I think it's called hemalurgy, which is where you're able to not have these powers yourself, but you can transfer powers between different people <laughs> right. uh, at a reduced level. So it's it's quite a well-constructed universe. I mean, this, this, there is a very good social nature to the story. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I really enjoyed the narrative. I liked seeing the characters develop. Kelsey in particular is quite an interesting character. You do see some development of him, but he's kind of... As you meet him, he's a fully fleshed out character and you're just learning about him. Whereas right. with Vin, you see a lot more of her developing as a as a character, as a person, in her abilities, in her confidence. Yeah. It becomes less urchin-y. Yeah. Okay. And you actually start, start to think at the beginning that Kelsey really is the core character of the book. And then later on, you realise it's actually Vin. Ah. Um, that's the main character. But, as I say, I don't want to go into spoilers. There are a number of twists... The book tells you, and what I've told you is what where the book leads you initially. But there are twists in the story, in the so development, and to, even in the plans and things that come along. So you haven't, you haven't had any spoilers from listening to this. Everything you've heard, you'd, you'd find out very early on in the book as it's, well. It's in the first 200 pages at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I stand by my convictions that this is a good book because I gave you a copy of this book as well. You did, yes. So I can actually, after listening to you describe it, I can read it for myself, which doesn't often happen with Tome Talk because we're trying to keep ahead of it and have plenty of books to talk about yeah. ourselves. So yeah, no doubling up. We can't do it. <laughs> I actually, I started uh, listening to the audiobook as, as well of this recently, mm-hmm. and um, it kind of threw me at first because I didn't realise when I started listening to it that the the narrator is the same narrator for the. Uh, Wheel of Time books right. was produced by the same company mm-hmm. um, and at first I thought I'd just put the wrong audio book yeah but <laughs> I stole a, all the characters <laughs> yeah. this was actually recommended to me by a friend so I'm, pass- I'm sort of passing on that recommendation to everyone else now Good. it's one that I uh, was recommended to me I really enjoyed it uh, the blurge on the back uh, highly recommended to anyone hungry for a good read from Robin Hub I would second that mm. I highly enjoyed this and recommend it as something qu- quite different to a lot of the run-of-the-mill fantasy books that are out there. Well, I believe you, and it's good. It sounds good. So, Brandon Sanderson, Mistborn, The Final Empire, first book of the series. There's, I think, six or seven books in the series in total. A couple of different trilogies, plus a couple of other stories. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend this. And also, if you get if you get chance, check out some of his other work. The Meddlesome Meeples present music news and reviews in conjunction with Paradise Rock UK. Hi everyone, welcome to Bart Corner. First up, Striper News. Now, Striper have run into some controversy with their 10th studio album entitled Goddamn Evil, with some stores including Walmart refusing to stock the album due to its title. Uh, responding to the controversy, Striper frontman Michael Sweet said this, we're disappointed. Striper has always been about making people think outside the box. Our new album title, Goddamn Evil, is a statement that's needed in our society. 
We've seen evil rise to new levels and this title is simply a prayer request asking God to damn or condemn all the evil around us. Many chains have joined us in making such a statement. Walmart unfortunately has not. The odd thing is of all the chains out there we assumed Walmart would be one to understand exactly what our point and purpose is. Unfortunately not. Although we respect their decision on what's done is done, it's frustrating to see something that's meant for good get misinterpreted and misunderstood. So regardless of whether you share their religious beliefs or not, the most surprising thing about this is that Striper are probably the world's foremost Christian rock band. So it's strange that uh, the title of that would be so quickly misunderstood by chains such as Walmart. Moving on, Glasgow Rockers Heavy Pettin have announced UK tour dates in October 2018. That's going to be with Punky Meadows and Frank Dimino of Angel. And that's they're going to be their first ever UK tour. So Heavy Pettin will also be doing extra headline shows in Glasgow and Milton Keynes. Now one of the UK's pioneers of AOR, Air Race, been around since the 80s. Air Race have just released a new single, Summer Rain. And they've got an album due out in August and a UK tour planned for the 21st to the 30th of September. Okay, moving on to Joe Bonamassa now. After his recent UK tour in March, blues, blues rock guitarist and singer-songwriter Joe Bonamassa is going to be coming back to the UK in October to perform three arena concerts. It'll be at the Plymouth Pavilions on October the 11th, the Nottingham Arena on October the 12th, and Bournemouth International Centre on October 13th. Uh, next one is one I'm quite excited about personally. Brian Down is alive and dangerous. Will tour the UK from September 25th to October the 1st to perform the 40th anniversary of Thin Lizzy's iconic live album, Live and Dangerous, in its entirety. So that's a classic rock album. If you want to see that performed in, in live, that's one for your diaries. Now, Britain's blues rock band King King are on a spring tour. They'll be touring from now until June the 2nd. Uh, supported alterna alternatively at different gigs by Xander and the Peace Pirates, Steve Hill and Austin Gold. So if you want to check out their website if you want to know more about those dates. Now we've seen some reissues of Saxon's uh, first, second and third album. They've just announced deluxe reissues of their fourth, fifth and sixth albums. So that's Denim and Leather, Power and Glory and Crusader. They're going to be released on the 25th of May and there's going to be nearly 30 bonus tracks spread over those three releases so quite a good deal for your money there. Next up Canadian rockers Thunderbird released their anticipated self-titled third album on Delinquent Records on April the 25th so that's out right now. Um, the lead singer and producer uh, Mark LaFranc said the album is like a collection of short stories. I'm singing the songs as different characters or telling their tales. A gallery of rogues from the dark side. So quite an intriguing description there. Um, next up, Norwegian melodic heavy rock band Big City have released a new lyric video for From This Day. Now that song's taken from their second album, Big City Life, which will be released as a double, D double CD digit pack, including their 2013 never released debut album Winter Sleep on June 22nd via uh, Rock of Angels Records. Big City features members of Scariot, Blood Red Throne, Witham, Marathon and Memorial Avenue. Now, Michael Schenker. Michael Schenker's Eternal Flame have announced the release of their third album, Smoke on the Mountain, on May 18th, and features ex-Malmsteen singers Goran Edmund and Mark Bowles. So that's definitely going to be one, uh, one to check out. Okay, so that's the news covered. Okay, moving on to the album reviews now. First up 
Issa, Run With The Pack. Now this is out now, it was released on April the 20th from Frontiers Music SRL. This is Issa's fifth studio album, collaborating closely with Alessandro Del Vecchio. Uh, so we have listened to this quite a bit, haven't we? Her vocals are really good here. It's very different from the other albums as well. Yeah, you said that it, uh, well we both said actually, that it reminds us very much of a younger Robin Beck. Mm both musically and vocally. Uh, the biggest highlight on the album, without a doubt, is the third track um, of, of the 11 tracks, called Sacrifice Me. Now, this features former Journey, vo- former Journey vocalist and drummer Dean Castronovo, currently with Revolution Saints, which, if you like Journey, you're going to love Revolution Saints. Uh, now, this isn't a combination or a duet that I would have anticipated, Issa and Dean Castronovo, but... Their voices do complement each other brilliantly. Mm. Really, really do love that track. Uh, other highlights on the album include Run With A Pack, probably the most intense rock song on there, Sound Of Yesterday, and the album's closing everything to me, most of which is just Issa's voice and keyboard until the rhythm section kicks in, leading to quite a soaring guitar solo. So several really st- good standout tracks. Absolutely recommend this one if you like Robin Beck or Robin Brock. Uh, Revolution Saints, One Desire, Sunstorm, Eclipse, Wet, House of Lords, Ted Poli or Vega. Um, definitely one to be check- checking out. Issa, run with the pack. Next up, James Christian, Craving. Now, Craving is the fourth album by House of Lords lead singer James Christian. Uh, Christian's built a reputation for himself over the years as both a singer and a songwriter, and his 1994 debut solo album, Rude Awakening, is widely considered to be an AOR classic. Now, Craving sees contributions from a number of people, including Tommy Denander, Jimmy Bell, and Alessandro Del Vecchio. Now, with any of James Christian's albums, the highlight is going to be his voice, and true to form, he sounds fantastic here. Now, the album varies in pace and tone, but I'd say if you're a fan of Christian, or if you're a fan of House of Lords, then you're going to get something with all the typical James Christian trademarks. Great vocals, good rhythm, intelligent and often introspective lyrics, while showing a softer side musically than much of his work with House of Lords. Uh, Highlights on this album include the catchy Heaven is a Place in Hell, the heavier Black Wasn't Black, uh, about a hell-raising woman, which happens to be my personal favourite for uh, no obvious reasons. Uh, the softer World of Possibility and Sidewinder, which has a really good rhythm to it. Uh, the title track Craving is quite enjoyable too. It's not all great all the way through. The closing song Amen, which is an enjoyable track in itself, doesn't quite feel like it fits in with the rest of the album nor does the songs Jesus Wept or If There's a God. Now the mix here could certainly have been better um, it means that the album lacks a consistent sound all the way through, but perhaps that's what Christian was aiming for, an album that shows quite a lot of different sides to him. Despite that, the album has some very good solid rock songs, some well-played quieter moments of acoustic guitars, and if you're a fan of AOR and or James Christian, then I think this is an album that you're going to enjoy very much. I like it, I'm recommending it to everyone out there. I would say if you like House of Lords, Robin Beck, Night Ranger, uh, Ted Poli, Revolution Saints, Eclipse, Sunstorm, Hardline, then this is an album that you're going to enjoy. As we say, uh, Craving features a number of songwriting contributions, including uh, from Tommy Lilander, Chris Pelser, Jimmy Bell, Cliff Magnus, Alessandro Dalvacchio, Richard Hymas, Charlie Mason and Jeff Kent. So there is a lot of different influences that went into creating this album. Tell us what you think in the comment section below. 
So that was episode two of the second season. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to everyone for being a part of this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed that, and be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, thank you, everybody. Stay Bye. Middlesome. Yes, stay Middlesome. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Farewell, Questa, and thanks for joining us. If you wish to avoid the wrath of Greyscar and the Black, then subscribe to our show before you depart. Our fortress is located at meddlesomemeeples.com or join our banners by rendezvousing with us at facebook.com forward slash meddlesomemeeples, instagram.com forward slash the meddlesomemeeples, or follow the flight of the mountain bluebird to act meddlesome meeples. Until next time, Questa, farewell and keep thine axe sharp.